Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys of Coppin Fractures. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Cop and Rackers, powered by the good folks over at Touchline Media Group. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me to talk about all things Liverpool Football Club, I am joined by the almighty Fahi, Marco, and Pierre. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening as we record? Good, man. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, it's been a while, I think, of me being in a main pod. And I saw Marco's name, I saw Peter's name, saw your name. I was like, yo, let me jump on, man. Let me talk to my brothers. Let's see what they're thinking about our most recent wins. Looking good, man. Love to see it, man. I did get the impression you were sitting there thinking, no invites. No invites. No invites, man. Yeah. It's good to have you on, as always, Brother Fahi. Mark, how are you doing? I feel like I haven't spoke to you for a while. Yeah, I'm good, you know. Um, it feels like a minute since I've been on the cup end pod anyway. Like, I've been on the main pod a couple of times now. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been called up to the big leagues, man. You've been on the main pod. Yeah, sometimes you just need to go dunk on them, boys, isn't it? We need to show them what I've gone. Yo, what, what happened on Sunday? I've not heard the main pod yet. I apologise. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I made a little comment about a little competition in a certain continent. 
He went a bit overboard of oh, the AFCON. The AFCON. Right. My <laughs> bro. Yes. Let's don't, go. Don't, don't you know encourage it. You flesh out that point. You know it. Sometimes, yeah, when you're laughing so much, yeah, it just becomes... I, I cool with it. I have to take that. I have to eat that. I couldn't even explain why I was upset about certain... And then he went on a little PR run after that as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy that Samuel Eto'o is the new president for Cameroon. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, yeah, man. I was doing my best impression of I know black, I'm Dominican. I'm not black. (laughs) Papi, me no black, me Dominican. I know black. I know, know, yeah. That's a good meme. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm all right. You know, I'm I'm good. Back working from home again. I've got to go into the office now until like January next year. So it's um it's one of those ones. But yeah, man, everything's good. Can't complain. Reds are winning, so it, it is what it is, man. Peter, the fly, the flyest man um on the pod. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good. You know, I think I'm I'm on a nice little run now. I think I've been on the pod a couple of weeks in a row. Feeling good, you know. Getting on the ball a bit more, you know, expressing myself. Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Let's let's get it started. Let's get it started, indeed. And before we do get it started, I'll give a shout out to a few people uh, who are, you know, you know, this, who are presenting this part this week. Um, uh, Marwa, Danny, Stephen, H, Jose. These who are these people? You're wondering that have, uh, who are presenting this part? Well, they are proud subscribers of the Coffee and Fracas Patreon page. Um, from just £3 a month, they're subscribing to hear even more copper and content on a weekly basis. And because it is that special time of the year, we're in the very we're in a very, very giving mood. So there's gonna be a lot more Patreon shows coming over the Christmas break and as the festive fixtures do increase. So how do you want to join these guys who have subscribed to the Copper and Fracas Patreon? Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash copper and fracas. The link is in the bio to this podcast and sign up from just £3 per month today. It's a decision you'll, you won't regret. It's a good vibe. It's good laughs. It's good pods all the time. How many pods on a weekly basis, Fahi? Are we averaging? Average this season is three. Um, this week, we've got four going out. So, yeah, there's non-stop Christmas period. We've got loads going coming out, man. So this is probably the best time if you've never subscribed it's the best time to be a patron. Um, see what it's like. See it for a month. Check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to cancel next month, you can do it. But I guarantee you won't. So um, check it out. There's a lot of uh, pods coming out the next couple of weeks. Um, it's worthwhile. And you know what? Added bonus as a patron member, you also get to hear our live shows. So we're all going to be at home. We're going to be watching games. We're going to be doing live all the games. You'll see the you see us dunking on ops, you might see. And especially if you've enjoyed what you've heard from uh, Twitter Spaces as well in the past few days. Touchline doing numbers in the Twitter Spaces fear. So if you like the vibe you've heard on the Twitter Spaces, you'll love what you'll hear from the Patreon page as well. So do head over to www.patreon.com forward slash coffee and fracker and subscribe today. Interesting game on the weekend on Saturday. Uh, Liverpool won Aston Villa nil. Um, Fahi, I'll come to you first. I think it was really interesting how Aston Villa set up. <laughs> how we? <are you? laughs> um, gonna get gonna get Peter to explain on this a little bit later on because 
to, to me, it, it reeked of a bit of cowardice, in all honesty. Can you consider, you know, the, the firepower that the Aston Villa team does possess? With all you've seen from Gerard at Rangers and from Aston Villa at the beginning of the season, were you expecting uh, something a little bit different? Or were you expecting them to set up like Wolves did, essentially? I mean, I'm, I'm being told that this guy's supposed to be our new manager in two years. So, um, yeah, if that's the kind of football... That's got to be played at Anfield, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hand in my shirt and I'll close the pod, man. Let's <laughs> close up the pod, man, because we ain't podding about that shit. Because, um, yo, that, that performance stunk. The way he set up stunk. His best his best tactic was getting a goalkeeper to time waste. So, yep. um, it, again, you, you compared it very well to an old school Wolves. It reminded me of Nuno Santos. Um, it was a poor showing. Um, I, I know Peter's going to get into it. Marco will get into it. I'm going to continue flogging him. But if that's if that <laughs> if, if this is if this is what is supposed to be our next manager, yeah, keep it. I, I want to see that shit around here, man. I'm done with it that. Was, it was it had a big dent to Mr. Michael's PR campaign. He, wow. He's very he's much the he's the driver of that specific. Bus. Him and Mush, um, Mush that waste man. They, don't, don't, they love it. They love it. Ah, oh, Gerard, he's got a, a glorious captain. He's got to be the best. They're, they're, in the world. they're planning. Oh, they're planning day outs to Birmingham and all sorts. It's um <laughs> getting a bit mad. Um, but but I do I do want to kind of touch on the point that you said about uh, Martinez time wasting. The ball was in play for twenty six minutes in that first yeah, that half. That is nasty. That. I, I quoted that, that on the pod, and that is ridiculous. Sorry, Fahi. No, nah, nah, it's fine, man. It was last man. It was disgusting. Um, what, what, yeah, did, what, what, what did you think of it, better, Mark, about 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 that performance? Because I mean, no, yeah, very very pragmatic performance, and essentially he almost done what he came to do. He came to stifle Liverpool, and he, I think, he because naturally you get emotional when you're playing. A club that you know the in and outs of, like he knows Salah is one of our danger men. He knows Trent is probably our best creator. He shifts all of that team over to the right side and literally says to Robbo and Mane, like you, and you haven't been playing that well this season. Make something happen, innit? Um, another thing he did was put. So he started as a four-three-three, which essentially turned into a four-five-one. I'm moving like I'm on the Bantic Spurs right now, trying to get into some in-depth analysis, but. Um, it ended up being a four-five-one, but there were two free people. Being that Encamba was trying to sit on Fabinho, and Jacob Ramsey was trying to sit on Thiago. And for the first like ten, fifteen minutes, it worked really well. They were getting Thiago and Fabinho to make mistakes, making them rush their passes. Um, as much as Fabinho and Thiago still were finding space, they weren't able to operate as freely. Um, so for me, I feel like that's a successful showing in that half. And yeah, one of his best attributes, so one of his best tactics was getting his goalkeeper to time waste, but that's what he that is far um, you have to do what you and he was getting Ashley Young to do always Yo, Mark's Mark, your internet is moving like you're you're calling us from Mozambique. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I thought that was me. I thought, I thought that was it was me, me for a second. Then <laughs> I thought that was me. Then I, I, I'm bare like, like it's like it's like we're playing a, a Christmas <laughs> quiz. What is Mark saying? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> he says one word, yeah, and it stops. So. Then it starts again, then it stops. Oh. <laughs> Those books when you're kids, where you have to like fill in the blanks with the words and fill out the full statement. Um, <laughs> Let me see yeah, Peter, you were a bit more optimistic about this performance. Talk to us about what you thought from Villa over the course of that 90 minutes, because as soon as they went a goal behind, boy, they um, found some attacking <laughs> impetus there, didn't they? Yeah, it was, it was really funny because just like they didn't really attack before the 75th minute, like to be honest. <laughs> like they didn't really, <laughs> apart from a couple like shaky moments from Allison and maybe like Van Dyke getting um, the wrong. Um, getting the wrong um, side of um, Ollie Watkins. That was literally all they had. So, like, he came to Anfield to sit deep. Obviously, when I saw Ashley, um, when I saw Ashley Young and Jacob Ramsey, who were in the lineup, in the forward lineup for them, I knew exactly what time it was. Like, you're playing a 30-year-old, a 30, what, what is Ashley Young? 33, 34-year-old as your left winger. He's older. He's 36. He? Yeah, he's 36. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're playing a 36-year-old, you know what I'm saying, who's played left as a wing-back for the majority of the last couple of years. And you're playing Jacob Ramsey, who, again, is a centre-mid as, as part of your forward line then. I know that he was trying to be defensive. Um, what he tried to do, essentially, was trying to just cover any sort of gap that we could exploit. So especially in terms of, like, you know, our forwards, they like to make out-to-in runs. But he, obviously that allows for... Um, he allowed for... Playing three, literally three defensive midfielders. So obviously you played Nakamba, McGinn, and Doug Louise, who again they could track all of the runs that our forward forwards can do, that our fullbacks can do. And he just stuck. What he done, he stuck um Jacob Ramsey on Thiago and he stuck Ashley Young on Fabinho, really. So they could not get any space. So obviously, when Thiago got the ball, Jacob Ramsey was trying to press him like a madman. Um and essentially it kind of worked, I guess, kind of. Um, we didn't create too many chances. I think we did kind of had obviously a good team like Liverpool will always create a couple of chances, and we did, but we didn't create too too many chances. But obviously, with that, I feel like when you do sit in personally, when I have a team that wants to sit in, I feel like you always need a counter threat because it's not good you sit in and you don't have any um, threat going forward because eventually your team's gonna other teams gonna find a way through because the ball keeps coming back and back and back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mark made a good point about. Van Dijk, Matip and Fabinho winning all their duels um, in the main pod. So, like, it just shows that the, they didn't have a threat going forward. I mean, you don't have a threat going forward. You just, um, pressure will keep coming back to you. And eventually, one of the defenders made a mistake. You know, Mings had a quite a good game up to, up to that point. But when you ask him to concentrate for that full 75, 80 minutes, it's, it's a hard job against Salah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was a good defensive performance, but you would have liked to see in Gerard and probably... Have a bit more intact impetus as well, as well as the defensive performance as well. It's interesting that we say that they kind of stifled us a bit, but at the end of the day, we had twenty shots on goal. Yeah, which, exactly. which is um, which, which, is, which, is, which is quite interesting. There weren't clear cut chances up until we started, up until we got the goal. But so you know what? Like really, really quick half chances. The shot yeah. from the edge of the box. But yeah, I think they did well, and I think. Chris is kind of right, Mark, though, because would you say, because I looked at the XG and what well, we had an XG of over two, so really we should have scored two goals. So Chris is kind of yeah, right. Yeah, so our, our XG 2.5 in comparison to their 0.3. So by XG, we should have scored two goals, really. But obviously, it counts for a lot of shots. Maybe not all, all of these are kind of like chances per se. Maybe it might be an accumulation of shots, blah, 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 blah. 
Shit was whack, man. We had Matty Cash running around <laughs> like a dog. We had him running around like a dog. That man was panting the whole game. Like, come on. Like, why are we... Money because that work that they were doing on the left side... Yo, they were, they were flogging him. Bro. Yeah, they were mocking Robo was running right. Um, Mane was getting on, on, on the board some ISO situations quite well. But I think yeah, one, one of the big issues, again, I think I think that came over the weekend was, I think we've had this discussion before, Peter, is we do score a lot of goals from, from set pieces, but there were two very good opportunities that we had um, on the weekend, Matip and Van Dijk again, from set pieces, set piece headers, where I feel like they probably should have scored. What, 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 do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think Van Dijk's one's a good chance. Um, he's free in the box and he kind of just heads it straight at Martinez. And obviously people say this is a good save, but it's not really a good save. It's, it's, it's a routine save because, again, it's straight at him and he just heads it over the bar. I mean, he just um, tips it over the bar. It's, it, you're kind of right, to be honest. Ever since you made that point about how he should probably score more at set pieces, even though we do score at set pieces, yep. it looks like it's true because we always <laughs> seem to get at least one, one or two chances per game. On, on on set pieces, so yeah, I think you definitely might be right. I saw past that season where Virgil scored like six goals. I think that was the season where we won the league, yeah. um, and he was just—I think he scored two in one game. And you know, it just goes to show you that the, the opportunities very much, very much were there. Um, Fahi, I'll come to you. Um, player that you you call Mister Vroom Vroom um, in how you think that he's his brain. I actually mean, calls him Vroom Vroom, and I've taken it on, man. I enjoy. I enjoy oh, fair enough. I gotta give give credit to the original. Gotta give him credit, man. He's here. He's in the pod. I, I, if he wasn't here, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I say that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much, much, uh, much, much like one of much like one of Farhi's hero, um, one of Farhi's heroes, Diddy. This this is the remix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit of a surprise in the lineup. He starts as the false nine, but when you look at kind of average playing position throughout the game, it very much looks like a four four two diamond. Yeah. How do you kind of feel he performed in that role, knowing it was a little bit more withdrawn than we're seeing from our usual number nines in both the senses from Fabinho, not Fabinho, uh, Firmino and Jota performing? I think, um, I said this in the post-match pod on, the, on our Patreon page as well, I felt as if he actually did what was required of him. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, when you think about a forward, it's about, yeah, is he going to grab a goal or not? But no, I don't think that was that was the point of Ox playing. Obviously, Jota um, wasn't fully fit. He hadn't trained since Friday, so he wasn't going to start the game. And I think Klopp just wanted someone reliable that could kind of do what was asked. And um, I, I thought from what I saw, Mane and Salah were told to kind of be a bit more narrower than usual. So for that reason, Ox dropped back a little bit more and he was kind of playing around like a 10 um, so it looked to like the majority of people that, oh, he's actually not in the right places. Um, he's not being where Jota would be usually. But I think that was by an actual tactic. It was, he was kind of told to drop back five yards further. But the problem with that was by him being five yards further back, all the chances we were creating on the left-hand side, he was never in the right position. And yep. what you noticed was the moment he came off the pitch and Jota came on, within a minute and a half, Jota was in the right position and he fluffed his lines, but you saw the difference of actually having a striker up front. Um, so back to Ox, from a actual uh, performance point of view, he did what was required of him. I thought he was good on the ball. He obviously had a shot in the first half. Um yeah, it, it it was an it was a mature performance. He did he did something for the team, right? It's not where we want to see him really and truly, but um, he did what he had to do. It, is it is it something that we I think he can grow into? Not really. 
I think when you're playing a team like Villa, who just decided to sit back and not really do much, it's probably a little bit easy to do that position. But um, yeah, as a whole, his performance was fine. It was a, it was a mature performance. He yep. held on to the ball. He, he um, passed it off well. He cracked a few shots. Um, and he was energetic as well in the right areas of the pitch. So it's another strong performance that he's added to uh, a fair few good appearances with Liverpool kind of after this international break. Mark, I'll kind of flip it back to you as someone who has money riding on him providing goals and assists in the league this season. Um, <laughs> um, we'll get into a bit more detail about that in a second. But with with the competition that you slandered on the main part coming up in the near future, that number 10 role where it's a little bit more withdrawn, do you think you can see him playing that when you know both Mane and Salah are an AFCON? And do you think he, that's a role he can thrive in when he has the other weapons around him, uh, Jota and Firmino included? I don't think it's a role he can thrive in because I feel like he is so accustomed to being a midfielder at this moment in time that, like Fahi was alluding to, being slightly withdrawn. Um, so Fahi just made a reaction to that. And so I don't know if there's a game going on. or Yeah, I'm watching the Villa game, man. This Gerard ball is unbelievable. What I'm watching right now, this is this is what I want to see at Anfield. This is serious football. But yeah, good <laughs> right, cool. Let me flip over to that as well. But um, yeah, so as Fahi alluded to, and we were both on the post-match Patreon and talking about Ox and his positioning. I feel like being a midfielder, it kind of suits him to drop back further. He doesn't have the striker's instincts that... Present well, he needs to possess to play that role and to succeed in that role. Um, I think he will play there. I don't think he will be great there. But I think AFCON, dependent on the time that starts, I don't know what the dates are being debated by. And yes, you could slander me for that after what I said on the main pods. But um, I don't know how many games that will be. If it is only two games, you won't really get that much of a chance to shine. It'll be two games in and out. So do you see do you see him being a my, my thing with it is we saw him being a lot more withdrawn, so he was acting more as a number 10. With Firmino and Jota, you did see him occupying the other two forward roles. Do you not think he can have a bit more impetus there where it fries on a little bit more of that withdrawnness and you know that raw dementing playmaking ability he does possess? I don't know. I don't think so because as well as Ox, well, as much as I want to put faith in Ox, yeah, I know that he isn't a clinical forward-thinking player, if you want to call it that. He doesn't make the right decisions in forward areas all the time. His past few games have been a bit more measured, a bit more mature as far as he was alluding to. But I think the further forward you push him, the less incisive his decision-making is if you want to call it that. And I don't know how to describe it other than that. But in the midfield, I kind of like him to be a busybody to get about. He did a lot of defensive work in the Arsenal game, which showed me a new side to his play. And I would want to see more of that as opposed to more of him going forward because I don't completely trust him going forward, even though I did put a bet on it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's touch on that for a second. So <laughs> the, the, I like I like the, the analogy of the further forward is up the pitch, the more the room, room intensifies. Um, the revs per minute do massively increase. Let's let's talk more about that bet. Um, that you know yourself and Fahi do have one things that we do here at Coffee. We, you know, we have we have a bit of fun. We have friendly wages with each other. So let me let me quickly open the sports book that we've got here. Um, the, the, the specifics of this bet are absolutely insane. So Mark bet Fahi that Ox and Nabi will have a combined 10 goals and 10 assists in the league only. So you're probably thinking, so just 10 goals and assists together. That's doable. No, no, no. This is 10 goals and 10 assists separately in different categories, and it's the league only. <laughs> you know what, Mark. yeah. My head was hot on that day. One of the stupidest bets I've ever <laughs> taken. I thought, I'm sure it was off the back of seeing Ox play false nine in preseason. I thought, you know, he's going to get a few games here. Um, then I thought, you know what, Naby's looking good as well. Naby's going to start the season, and he does start, but naturally he gets injured. Um, <laughs> and originally it started as 10 and 10 in all competitions. And while he was like, no, 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 you can't include Carabao Cup. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, let's just go league only. And yeah, I got a little twangs because my head was hot. But it is what it is. I'm just going to take that L. <laughs> you may as well just pay out now, man. I'll get, listen, yeah, I'll give, listen, on the pod, as my brother, I'll give you a cash out of £99. How about that? I mean, the kit is That's less than, than what it is at the moment. That's more than what it is at the moment, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me £30. I'll let you hold that still. <laughs> nah, man. I, you know what? I just want the sweet scent of victory. I I, I just want it. Yeah, I, I just think it was such a great bet I took on, man. I had to say that one. Um... <laughs> oh, wait, I'm going to win the other one, though. I'm definitely winning the FPO one. All right, we'll see, man. We'll see. I ain't saying too much. I can't really speak on FPL this season. I've just been making mad changes every single week, so it is it is what it is. Um, Peter, I'll, I'll come to you. I think one of the one of the people who performed really well in this game uh, were Mr. Jordan Henderson. Looked at you know his his um, his predecessor on the sideline and said, "This is you know this is how you you know earn a league title, uh, you scumbag." How do you feel like he played um, over the weekend and the past few weeks? I feel like he's really Stepped in. I, I I can't think of the way to kind of describe it, but the performances have massively increased, and he just looks a lot better as a result. Any, any reason why you why, why you think that is? Um, I think his performance on Saturday was decent. I don't think it was great. I think he improved a lot in the second half. I don't think first. I think first half he wasn't. I think like he was okay first half, right? I think second half he was a really mature performance, especially when we started to win. I thought. He obviously, um, he didn't stop that intensity, especially like you see him in the 90th minute, um, winning balls, um, running with, carrying the ball a lot forward, you know what I'm saying, um, winning free kicks, stuff like that. So he, I think he was really good in that sense. But um, on the ball in the first half, I think, um, I think the home midfield on the ball in the first half wasn't great. But I think especially in the second half, he um, he was a true captain in the second half and kind of um, put his foot on the ball and held the ball and yeah, he done well. Um, I think, to why he's doing well, it's just because mainly because he hadn't played as an eight as a box to box for a while, but until before this season. So last season he played majority of games at six or at centre back, right? 
So he started the season mainly at a six. And then when um, our centre-backs got injured, he got pushed into centre-back. So obviously he comes back into this season and he's playing um, eight right away. And it's not as if he's playing the, the same role that he was playing eight two seasons ago. He's playing a different role because Klopp's kind of changed it with Harvey Elliott coming into the side. And he's got a different role now. We attack a bit differently. He's more he's more um, wider than... He's pushed out wider than he usually is. So, yeah, it took him a while to get used to it. But now he's finally used to playing as a box-to-box, back as an eight. I think you see his qualities, man. You see his energy. You see his relentless. Um, you see that he's quite good technically. And, yeah, he's just he's just a good midfielder. I think a lot of people forgot about how good Jordan Henderson is as, as a solid box-to-box. As a box-to-box, yeah. Jordan Henderson is a very good midfielder. Like, I'm not saying he's a world-beater or he's, you know I'm saying, or he's world-class, but he's still a very, very good midfielder in that role. And you're seeing that um, come to um, fruition, these performances. So, especially against, like, Everton, absolute clinic. Like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't seen a performance from Jordan Henderson like that in ages. Like, that was an absolute, absolute clinic. And I think this month, yeah, he's, he's done really well, man. Big up to him. You know, so, in addition, you I just want to add as well, I feel like the tandem of Nino and Thiago has really fostered that. Like, they're playing extremely well and allowing Henderson the licence to go forward. Yeah, facts. Facts. I think I think that, that and that's why the last few games, since um, Fab and Thiago have been together in the pivot, um, Hendo's just had licence to do what he needs to do. He doesn't need to worry about the defensive side of his work. He, he's just kind of focused in that right pocket. Um, so he, he's done really well. So much better now. So I'll put the, uh, two, two, two questions. Um, first one, I guess, is more a Peter. So when you say you wouldn't describe Henderson as a world-class midfielder, why would that be? I would say um, world-class midfielder is a top five sentiments. In the world, I don't think he's top five centimeters in the world, so that's, that's why he's not world class. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well done. Good answer, man. Good answer. <laughs> that's, that's my definition of world class. People have maybe top ten, top fifty, but me personally, it's top five in the world. If you, you have to be top five in your position, and I, in your position, I'd say centimeters. You have like he likes Luka Modric, he likes of I don't know KDB, Kante, stuff like this. So um, I don't think he's um, world class. But again, he's still a very elite midfielder. Um, Maybe he can prove me wrong. Hopefully, at the end of the season, maybe he can have a great, great, great season. Maybe he can edge his way back into it. But as for now, not world-class, but still a very, very top midfielder. No, good save, though. The good recovery. Um, it, it's. I think it's really interesting, obviously, to find out what people's definition of world-class is because some people use it so... That and generational, the two terms in football in space that people use so loosely. Generational is horrible. That's a horrible... Oh, it's a, like, it's it's a, a disgusting word. term. I, I was on a Discord once with Mark here, yeah, and Mark said something like, Trent has got a generational shot. He said, <laughs> no, no. You know what I said, yeah? I said, I always need to clarify this anytime it comes up. I said, yeah, every generational talent has an aspect that makes them generational. And for Trent, it's his striking ability. That's it. That's what you said. You, that is what you said. That's what you said. But I think the delivery is so much more different. You know, like when you're proper on one, you say you say it in a certain way, and we're like, what? <laughs> Generational <laughs> shot is really funny. So this more like, and for the listeners that aren't on Discord, yeah, this calls like the raw, unfiltered jungle. <laughs> like whatever comes out, comes out. Whoa. Pause. If I if it needs be, pause. Oh man! So, Chris, 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 would you say Henderson's world class, or you got different? You got different definition to me, or 
How you I, 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 I completely agree with what you the sentiments that you've delivered there, good sir. Um, I'd say that, you know, world class is reserved for those five players within, within the world. Um, I think describing someone as Jorginho as world class is absolutely absurd. Um, Crazy. But I agree with putting a player like, you know, Thiago in that world class category as he's displayed that uh, measure, uh, those measurables um, in the past few years. Fair enough. I saw, I saw what you did there. You tried to flip it back on me. I was like, yeah, yeah. Try and see what. Um, try and see. <laughs> try and get him flogged. I respect <laughs> it. I, I honestly do respect it. Um, and the, the, obviously, the next question I want to ask you guys. I'll start, I'll start with you, Fahi. Um, having that consistent midfield as we have, obviously, there's has been a little bit of chop and changing with Ox coming in certain periods. Having that stable midfield core, when you look back at games, primarily Brighton and West Ham to an extent. Do you feel if we had that midfield free available, that those results would be completely different, considering how the chance creation was possibly, you could probably say the chance creation in those games and the way that those teams exploited us was was higher than teams have in previous weeks. And do you think we get different results in those games with that midfield present? Sorry, I'm just, I can't believe, I don't know if you guys are watching this match yet, but Norwich are so bad Honestly, it's fucking horrific how Gerard is fucking pissing on these guys with Villa. Hey, hey, um, yeah. you, mate. Do you want a pod today or do you want to watch the match, eh? Yeah. I, I, yo, because <laughs> I, I slammed Gerard in it. I said, listen, like, first five minutes. So I, I'm going to give him his props. Right now, it's good. Chris, back to your question. Um, I think the one thing everyone in life likes is consistency, right? Having something. I don't know, man. I've met a lot of people who. I always yeah. say something a bit mad then, isn't it? Um, yeah. I've met a lot of people who don't thrive off consistency. So, but but those people, where are they in their lives? Are they happy? Yeah, you're right. Routine yeah. consistency is what what human routine beings consistency are. is what gets you through. And ultimately, mm-hmm. the majority of people I've met in my life, I've seen consistency is what makes them happy. And yeah. in football, in terms. You've seen a consistent LFC side, a consistent eleven, usually leads to some some sort of success. Yeah. Um, obviously, we can go straight back to nineteen twenty, where the first eleven practically didn't change. Um, it was pretty much the same fucking eleven every single week because Klopp did not trust anyone else. And even when uh, it did change, it still slapped up Everton, which you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have, the odd, you have the odd game here or there, but the majority of the time, that eleven, you knew what was going to come out, right? Yeah. Um, I think with this season, what with last season, what we didn't like was obviously we never knew what 11 was going to come out. The midfield would chop and change every single week. You never knew who was going to partner who. Um, with Cater, for example, me and Julian have always said he's not been able to thrive because he's never had a consistent midfield alongside him. Every time he comes onto the pitch, it's always someone new. It's never Hendo and Wijnaldum. It's never Hendo and Fabinho. It's always chop and change, right? So now that we've got an, a trio of Fab and Thiago and then Hendo, I think it just works so much better because the defence know exactly who is going to be where. They know Fab and Thiago are going to protect and they know Thiago is going to want to get onto the ball. They know Hendo is going to be causing a nuisance further ahead. The forward line... They know exactly when Fab has the ball, when Thiago has the ball. Okay, we need to be here and there. Whereas if you chop and change it every single fucking week, you you never know what you're supposed to be doing. So I I think the midfield is 
the midfield and the centre-back pairing are the two most important things to me. I think forward line, you can switch it about every so often, it's fine. But the midfield and centre-back pairing, as long as they are consistent, and if say, for example, 80% of league games, as long as they're the same, I think we'll be absolutely fine. I think if as long as we have Fab, Thiago and Hendo on the pitch for the majority of the season, I think we'll be pretty happy with how the season ends out. Um, it just makes such a difference, man, because... We've got so many different centre mids and they all bring so many different styles to like um, the way we play. But ultimately, your best players have to be playing. Oh my days. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The City Are you watching the same game? I'm watching the City game. Oh, okay. Have they scored? Yeah. Folded, oh. like, it's a mess of a goal. It's a mess of a goal. Oh, okay. Error. Someone tried to clear off the line, kicked it into their own goal. Nice. Standard. But yeah, ultimately... It's like consistency, man. As long as we've got the best three midfielders on the pitch, I'm happy. And they are our best three midfielders. There's no debate. I think yeah, I agree. right now, obviously, you've got some people on Twitter that'll be like, oh, Naby Kate is better than Hendo. Uh, this, no, he's not. He's just not. Okay. Hendo, <laughs> Hendo, Fabinho, and Thiago are our three best midfielders. So they need to play. And Klopp has found a way of making it work. Fab and Thiago play together, Hendo a bit further on the right, and it works perfectly. I, I completely agree. Um, a lot of people are going to get annoyed at the uh, <laughs> that kind of point, but oh, Nabikayo, ha- he's so good, he's so skillful. Oh, he how, about eight, how, how about giving us eight games in a row, oh, brother? How about man. that? You know what I mean, this is an ELS ALS challenge for you, Nabi. If you could <laughs> give us eight games in a row, brother, fuck the bucket of ice, man. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I completely agree. That consistency is going to be is going to be so key to us kind of win, win the league. And you can't afford to chop and change one position now and then because, like you said, they bring so many different elements to the table. It's it's like a good free course meal. You got all three different elements there and, and ready available to go. And we've even seen when we bring in Ox for for Hendo or um, if you did want to bring in Navi and, and play him there. As long as you've got two of those three available, I think it works quite well. Um, one of the things we have seen throughout this season, throughout these past two games, is the willingness and a de- and the desire to not settle for less and not settle for draws, um, as previous incarnations of Liverpool teams have done. They've just never been able to find a way. They've always not been, not been knocking at the door, but no one's ever answered. They're very, they're very much acted like a DPD. They'll just chuck your parcel over the fence and say, there you go, it, it's there. They're not going to you know, deliver it safely. Um one of the things that we saw, that relentless aggression, that ruthless aggression that we saw in the title winning campaign was winning goals. And we saw it in the season before when we did win the Champions League, but unfortunately finished second in the league. Mark, I'll, I'll come to you. The past two performances are something that we have not seen this season so far. Does this give you even more renewed optimism that come the end of the season, Liverpool will be there and thereabouts in a league winning position? Yeah, because I think when you're not winning games, so like if Liverpool of old, harkening back to, I guess a few years ago, early Klopp years, um, when we would go into games like that, we would play Wolves, we just wouldn't be able to get over the line. Um, we wouldn't be able to finish them off. Same thing with Aston Villa, we would have a shitload of chances and we would either lose down to a an error <laughs> Um, a defensive error, goalkeeping error, or refereeing error, or we'll just end up drawing, and then that would be two points dropped, and we continue lament over it. But this season, 
you know, I can't say fully this season. I'll say the past two games. The past two games we've looked like we're more inevitable than we have over the past year or so. And being able to get those wins, especially in situations where it doesn't look like it, especially that Wolves game, where going into the 93rd minute we still hadn't scored, is kind of an indication that we will be there. We will be able to push some of these draws that have been seeing us drop points into wins. And if you can get that differential up over a season, you should be able to get more points. So essentially be there and thereabouts. I've got, I've got a point. Don't you think so against Wolves and Arsenal Villa, our two goals, you, you just got, you got to give credit to Salah. Because, <laughs> again, both goals, he finds a way to break down a low block. He Some initiative um, thinking from him. Like Again, again against against Wolves, he takes the massive touch, gets past Nori, go for Origi. Against Mings, you know what I'm saying? It's a standard dribble, but what he does differently is that he kind of um, um, puts his leg in front of Mings so that if... So basically, he kind of initiates a dribble so that he can either go past Mings or Mings has to make a challenge or, and he has to foul him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so even one, one was going to be, I'm saying, um, bad for Mings or Villa in that situation. And it's just smart thinking from Seller. So again, we have a superstar in our hands in Seller who's kind of taken the, yeah, cool. You know what I'm saying? We can't break a team down. I'll take it on myself. I'll, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Give me responsibility. We're going to win today. You know what I'm saying? Seller's on both times. Seller's thought, yeah, like, I, like even if I'm not having the best game, I'm gonna find a, a way to win. You know what I'm saying? And both games, you, you saw that with, with him. You know what I'm saying? And he scores the penalty. So I think obviously a team, yeah, you, you give credit to the team for staying solid and keep creating chances and um, wiring the, t- um, the opposition down. But it's, it's it's great, great play from Seller. And one one thing I do want to say is that you know, like I don't know, I just feel like it's kind of like biting away at me, kind of thing. But it's just kind of, I think. That left-hand side, so they had the ball a lot, you know what I'm saying? They had the ball a lot against Villa. And I just think that in terms of if Salah didn't have that moment, I think we would have kind of been a bit, um, what's the word? Just kind of a bit like um, regretful that kind of Robertson or Mane didn't break down Villa, especially with a lot of the ball they had. And I just think whilst Robertson did have a great game, I think he was making a lot of great runs. He was getting on the ball a lot. He was giving Matty Cash a terrible day, you know what I'm saying? I just think his final delivery that game was just a bit off. And I just worry sometimes if Salah didn't find that kind of uh, moment to break down Villa, you need we need Robertson to kind of his delivery and his execution needs to be a bit better. And same with Mane as well. I think like you know what I'm saying days where he has the ball a lot because obviously teams will close down Trent, teams will close down Salah. Salah's got the top goals, top assist in the league. He's the man to deal with in this league. You know what I'm saying? So teams will always try and close down Salah. But I just think. Maybe um I'll just I'm just a bit wary that maybe Robertson's delivery can be a bit better so that we can you know what I'm saying execute teams and um, find ways past teams if Salah and Trent are getting closed down. I, 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 I want to give I want to give Mane a blight on that because for me yeah, he's had an opportunity to slot in Salah where Salah tried to pass to Yota if you remember um I think it was three on one Tyrone Mings was in the middle they're running through on goal and he slots Salah Salah tries to like be unselfish and pass it to Yotta, but he ends up hitting Mings. For me, that's Mane trying to provide. Like, he made something happen there. Salah, go get the goal. Why are you being unselfish, for in that situation? Yeah. Anyway? And also, if I point back to the Trent chance where Trent smashed the ball instead of, like, trying to 
yeah. mm-hmm. no, finesse it or pass it to Henderson or like be more composed in that situation. That's yeah. Robo literally putting on the plate for someone saying, go get a goal. So yeah. I think I, much yeah. as I don't think the output has been great, especially in that game. I don't think percentage wise, yeah, that output has warranted how much they've been on the ball, but I still think they've done it. I think I, just, I, think, I, I agree with you. I think I think Mane less so. I think Mane had a good game, but I think teams are comfortable with letting Robertson on the ball. I think that that's kind of a little bit of a worry, just in terms of they don't you think they can hurt, you know what, they can hurt them. Yeah, if that's the case, I, I'm more than happy for them to let Robert have the ball because ultimately we, we've seen what happens um, when, when he's fit and firing. What I would say about that Villa game, to kind of go against your point, I think in the first half where Robert and Mane saw a lot of success, one of the key problems was that Ox was playing up front or playing as a 10. For that reason, you didn't have that focal point up front to kind of receive those chances because Robbo would whip it in or like drive it through and goal, and no one would be there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, there's no, two ways. You're correcting what you're saying. That is what happened. But I, I would turn it back on you and I'd be like, mm, but if, if we actually had a Bobby there or a Jota there, do you feel as if it would be different because I don't think they did anything wrong really and truly. Obviously, you can be more accurate with your crossing and your chance creations. But I think in that situation, in that game where Villa were trying to drive us out wide and they were seeing success in the, in the wide areas, when they finally did get a delivery in, the problem was there wasn't enough people in the box or in and around the box. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I think there's a couple of chances where, like you said, there's one where literally it flashed past like the six-yard box and there was no one there. And I was thinking, yeah, if Joe was yeah. there, that's the goal. But obviously, there's, there's times as well when, I don't know, Robertson went past like two players and he just kind of like, oh, I don't want to show my right foot. Yeah, he just kind yeah, of yeah. Yeah, he hesitated and then they got back condition. So yeah, I think I think I think there's credence to both points. Chris, I let you I let you come in. No, no, that, that was all that was all good stuff. And I think obviously the point with the with the Wolves game as well is I think there were so many kind of like last last dish kind of clearances off the line, of course. Uh Jota had his big bozo moment there where um he literally all he has to do is like put it either either corner in and, and, and it is a goal. So I think the score lines aren't necessarily reflecting what we're seeing on the pitch in, in, in certain areas too. So, but no, man, the, the the main man keeps delivering. I think it's fourteen goals, nine assists now. I mean, yeah, I think I think my main point is that I just think that Robertson's delivery has kind of regressed. That's what I would say. I would say his ability and his defensive ability is excellent, superb. I would say up and again, up and down the pitch, he's still great. I would just say. His ability to kind of whip and balls and kind of create chances, I think, I might have regressed a little bit. That, that, that's 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 my main worry. No, that's fair. I think one of the things that we've seen when Shimakasta's play, sometimes that final ball has been a bit more, a bit more crisp and, and, and on point. Which is, I guess, I guess, that leads into our next question. Really, uh, listen to the next section. Really, we see Newcastle on Thursday. You'd expect there to be some form of rotation with Spurs on Sunday. Now, whether that Spurs game goes ahead. With what we're seeing with you know current COVID outbreaks, at, you know pretty much nearly all Premier League clubs at the moment, which you know isn't the best possible sign, None remains to be seen. Uh, they're not screaming it now, are they? Um, what do you see rotational? Do you see anything happening rotational wise for this Newcastle game on Thursday? Uh, Fire, I'll come to you. Do you see kind of like Shimakas being involved and Origi being involved, or do you think he'll kind of keep it? You know. There's, there's two games here that we do need maximum points out of, and I can afford to give people a rest when we play the game, which we should probably do losing next week. I reckon if there is a change, and I, I think this got brought up on Saturday or Sunday in the Coppin chat, 
I said Ox is someone I think will end up starting. Um, I'm not sure where, but I feel as if he could either start as one of the forward three again and Mane gets a rest, for example, and it'll be Jota, Ox and Salah. Or um, what an amazing goal. Fucking hell, Jacob Ramsey. He's a good player, man. Really well, I, good player. I literally just saw that, but I didn't want to interrupt you. So He's in my FPL as well. That's a really good goal. Really good goal. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think Ox could definitely start. Um, and and the, the other sneaky suspicion I have is, yeah, Shimik has a shout, but I feel like Minamino might start because Newcastle are so bad. They're, they're on, if you saw them play against Leicester this week, I don't know if anyone watched the Leicester-Newcastle game. They were so bad. Yeah, they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. They were honestly so bad. I think Minamino's movement could really cause them some issues. Um, and like you said, we've got a game on Sunday. Um, I, I really don't think we need to be at f- absolute full strength to beat Newcastle. But then again, you should never rest on your laurels, should you? So um, I'll, I'll be more than happy if we do have our best eleven and we absolutely batter Newcastle. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ox comes in, Shimikas comes in, and my sneaky suspicion for some reason Minamino might start. Interesting, interesting. It is an Eddie Howe team that we know like to open the ash uh, when they do come up against Liverpool. Peter, what what, what do you think? Uh, you know, obviously with, with Newcastle, they brought him in. He's trying to install this new style of play, but it very much just seems as though it, it is all Callum Wilson or nothing with, with, with them. Surely you think, from a Liverpool point of view, negate any kind of ball towards his direction and they should be routine sailing. What have you seen from them this season that could potentially bring any danger? Yeah, I agree with They're not very good at all, man. Like In some instances, like you're only, good, you're only as good as your players in some instances. And like whilst I like Eddie Howe and I like his principles, I like the fact that he tries to play out the back. I like the fact that he tries to play progressive players. Like he wants to play like your Frasers, your um, your Wilson, just say Maximums, Joe Linton. He tries to get them all in the lineup. But at the end of the day, you still have Lascelles, you still have Manquillo, you still have Isaac Hayden. You know, like, these players are just not good enough at this level. And yeah, I think you've seen that in the Premier League like this season. Um, they're just really not good players. So I think we would be able to get it away with rotating a couple of players for sure. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I would like to see. Um, um, Shimkas. Um, I think I would like to see someone probably start in the lineup, maybe, maybe in a Reggio or Minamino, and maybe I don't know, maybe if, if Kate can, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was just gonna come to, I, was, I don't know, maybe if Kate can get a start, maybe we'll see, but um, yeah, Newcastle not very good. The only thing I would say we have to be wary of is probably say a maximum. Um, obviously, when say maximum gets the ball, he's excellent creator, good ball carrying, so that's the only thing I would say we have to be wary of, but. Again, yeah, people like John Joe Shelby in the midfield. That guy doesn't like to run <laughs> at all. <laughs> he hates running. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we should be all right, man. We should be okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's what we like to see. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting game for sure. I mean, they might be the first team to go down. And I don't know how FFP works when you kind of get relegated to the championship. But in terms of the money that they'll have, it's just going to be dead interesting to see what's, what's going to happen with them for, for January more than anything. So, Man, um, and and the Jamal, I think I find the Jamal Vassell thing just absolutely fascinating because three years ago I looked at that guy and I thought, good player, yeah, 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 yeah. he could become, he could evolve from something, he could evolve from from something because he was really good at Forest, 
his early early years at Newcastle, you could see that there were you know the bones of a player there, but the kind of he's probably going to bite me back on the Arsenal when we play him, isn't it? Right, but... he, you're right. He's, he's he's had a lot of injuries, so he's not as explosive as he once was when he was younger. He's not as quick as he once was when he was younger. So I think with him, you just see, even though he's a big guy, he's kind of fragile. So you see him maybe give away a lot of penalties and maybe he's like behind on um, people take him on. He's, he's one or two sets behind. So yeah, you're completely right. I think the thing with Eddie Howe teams is that he never likes to just shut up shop and just sit back. He's a progressive manager. And again, that leads in our favour because they can't go to any, Eddie Howe team can't go to the toe of us because they haven't got as much talent as us. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's always going to kind of fail against us or kind of open nash against us because he likes to be brave and be bold. You know what I'm saying? It's literally like what I'm watching right now. Leeds are trying to play out from the back against City, but they're 2-0 down in the 23rd minute. City have been all over them. There's certain managers that are always going to play a certain way of football. Eddie Howe is one of them. Bielsa is one of them. Um, yeah, you get true. these managers that, regardless of how badly the results go in, they're going to stick to their laurels. And... I think we should blow Newcastle out of the water. He's going to try and come up against us. And as much as we scored this season, he's going to try and outplay us. And you can't do that with a Newcastle team, especially a Liverpool team in their pomp. The, the most sensible thing How can actually do is literally play 4-4-2 with two backs of four, completely cutting, um, tr- trying to cut our attacks. And then you have um, Sam Maximam and Callum Wilson just counter-attacking us. That's the most sensible thing he could possibly do. But the problem with Newcastle is they actually can't defend. They're just so bad defending, like defensively. It reminds me of Bournemouth as well. Bournemouth under Eddie Howe were terrible defensively. Well, this, this this is the thing. It's like the playing at the back thing again against us. You look how we were against Arsenal. If we have a period like that, it could be just it's it could end up really badly for what they want to do. And, and the other side of it is he can't stop them from doing that because they need to like fucking get used to it. They need to start. They need to get used to it and start doing it properly. So if he decides, oh, Anfield, for this game, don't do that. They're never going to pick it up. So he's just going to have to continue down that path. Yeah. It's one of those ones where it's like, well, what, what's the point of doing it then if we're just not going to do it for this game? It's um, you, you look at the, the potential Newcastle team that they'll pull out um on Thursday. So Debrecht Green goal, Matt Ritchie at left back, uh, Kieran Clark, Jamal Lascelles, Fabian Shaw, um. Fabian Shaw, who maintain if he went somewhere else, he'd be a serviceable centre back somewhere. Javier Manquillo, talk about ghosts of you know Christmas past. Sam Maximum, Shelby Willock, Jolinton, and Callum Wilson. It, 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 you just look at it and you think you don't particularly know what they'd want to do. And with the way that Eddie Howe plays football, you've not got those. The big thing about Eddie Howe is he's always been big on his explosive wingers. You look at the profile of players that he has had. I, I just don't think he has that there. He doesn't have the individual flair from his wing backs as well. He does a B tech. He had B tech players at Bournemouth, but they still produced from those you know full back positions. He doesn't have what he wants to do there, and this could end up in being a bit of a lumping um, by us on them. So it's it's going to be it's going to be dead interesting. Um, any predictions for what you think might be the outcome? Yeah, I'm going to go with 3-0, man. Um, I, I'm, I, if we, if, Number one, if we don't win that game, fucking hell, we're disgraceful. But yeah, I'm going to go with a 3-0 purely because I do think Klopp will make a couple of changes um, at least. But yeah, Salah will start no matter what because he's fucking dying to start every single game. I'm sure <laughs> Salah will, will, will definitely score one. But yeah, I'm going to go with a 3-0. Now, with the Minamino point, by the way, 
we'll just stick him on the left hand side brother because <laughs> this is the age old question that we still have uh, me and you talk about it quite a lot we still don't know what this guy's best position is I, I think it depends on who he plays with so for example if you, if if he starts tomorrow if he starts on Thursday with uh, and Salah. Mane, Mane and Salah then he can play as a false nine if he plays with Jota and Salah he can play on the left do you get what I mean? So it, yeah. it depends on who the other two are. Mark, what do you think of results-wise? Four. Four-piece. I don't know if we concede or not. I think we could concede from my brother ASM, Moment of Magic. to Calum You'd be Wilson. really annoyed if we did, though, wouldn't you? I would be very, very annoyed. We shouldn't concede against them, but we do create chances. Well, we do allow teams a few chances this season. I know people have said since West Ham it's kind of decreased, but Aston Villa had a couple of chances, well, a couple of half chances against us. Maybe that was down to Allison being away with the birds or something, or Bursaline, how you know how he feels. I don't know. But boy, I think we allow teams in a bit too often, to my liking. And Newcastle have, ooh, Newcastle have quality in ASM and Callum Wilson as a great finisher. So who knows? Peter, what are you thinking? Yeah, I agree with Fire. I think 3 0. 3 0 comprehensive win. That's what we like to hear. Um, oh, yeah, I think Kanati comes in as well. Sorry, I forgot to say that. Kanati comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Um, yeah, I think I think 3 0, something around those lines as well. Uh, it's just, again, like, like you guys have said, you look at Newcastle play, sometimes it looks pretty bad. Um, and just, just knowing how Eddie Howe sets out his teams as well, there's very much a no surrender Ooh, technique there. Lee may have a pen. Hmm? Um, Lee's may have a pen still. Sorry, my bad. Let me tune in. Getting excited about the possibility of City dropping points, but it's not <laughs> I think people are more getting excited for Freenia scores it for their F- FPLs. <laughs> That's um, a handball. That is some carry job by him, by the way, for what he's doing. Rafinha, yeah. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Is he, is he, when Lee scored a goal, you're like, all right, Rafinha's definitely scored. Yeah. I mean, oh, talk about injuries decimating the team, by the way. No Bamford, no no Phillips. And, and the thing the is, to... do you know what's annoying about Rafinha? It's because this breakout season was coming. Like, it was so obvious. Anyone who knows anything him. about football. You had to beg him the summer <laughs> that just went. <laughs> yeah. It was yes. so obvious about football that if you know about football, like this guy was doing everything on the metrics last season, that Rafinha was always going to have a breakout season this year. So now he's having this breakout season, this, the price is just going to be, yeah, we probably have to have a look at other, other avenues this summer. And have you, re- have you read like M's minimum? Have no, you read some of the comments as well where, where, they, where they were basically like, oh, they're really surprised that Liverpool didn't come in in the summer, <laughs> like they were waiting. It was like, like I think, was it Alisson or Fabinho that said it? Fabinho said it, right? Yeah, yeah, Fabinho. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that means clearly that they all were expecting Liverpool to do something, and um, yeah, we it's just the outgoings seen... though. I think the outgoings just could, couldn't match. Yeah, because we had no outgoings, we couldn't make it work. Yeah. Be interesting because they're still very much at risk of going down. So I mean, oh, is that what you're hoping, Chris? That's well, what I mean. But uh, did you see them getting wins anytime soon? <laughs> It's looking a bit spooky, man. Like it's one of those ones where I think Bielsa probably should have stepped away in the summer. Um, yeah. Just that intensity, that, that same intensity is not there. Some of the transfers they made are really bad. I mean, that junior Furpa guy stinks. 
Um, Dan James, it's, you know, it's it's admirable, but you know, you should be a wing back somewhere. I just, I, just, I can't. Yeah, can't, yeah their silence have been since coming to the Premier League. Wow. Their silence have been really bad. Apart from Rafina, they've all been quite bad, to be honest. I can't. I just don't see it. And if there's going to be a surprise for them, they've not got that battle drawnness that you know, like a Burnley have got. Like you, you, we know that Burnley are shit, but you would not be surprised if Burnley stay up finishing you know 15th or something so it's just um it's, it's going to be interesting for them to be a surprise relegation candidate potentially mm. before we do that prediction for thursday oh three nil three nil okay three nil before we do sign off um before we did start recording we saw the report that real madrid are targeting michael edwards to be their new sporting director first and foremost before we do start talking about this i think people owe this mysterious figure on Twitter, um, the Dark Knight, you will, of Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, Mr. Indicalia himself. They, they owe this man an apology because over the past few months, for Liverpool-related things, he's actually got a fair few things correct. And this is one of them. He was one of the people who said in August, I believe, August, September time, that Real Madrid were interested in bringing Michael Edwards board onto the ship. Um and a few outlets, you know, said shut up. They tell him to be quiet and whatnot. But the guy's been correcting his information, so I think the man is owed his own apology for um for his reporting there. But um, Mafai, I'll come to you first. It's no surprise with someone who has a talent ID in a system and who has integrated a very good, successful culture into Liverpool that. An institution such as Real Madrid are interested in appointing him. Obviously, I think they still want to go the route of bringing in, you know, one or two big world-class Galactico-esque sign-ins um, on a kind of like twenty-four month basis. But one of the things that they'll need to navigate now, especially with the Super League not coming together and their finances being massively affected by COVID and the fact they're still expanding the Bernabeu, is they will need to unearth those gems those players who have those underlying values in the markets to fill out their squad. And there's no better person to do that than Michael Edwards. What are your thoughts on this potential move? Yeah, uh, again, big Michael Edwards fan. I've, I've never um, said any different. I think the difference in this job, though, what we all need to understand is doing it for Real Madrid and doing it for Liverpool are two different things. Real Madrid are known for flashing the cash. So when it comes to those hard negotiation skills and like hard negotiation tactics, sorry, he's going to struggle because no one is really going to believe that Madrid aren't willing to like let go of cash. And now, yeah, obviously they're building a brand new stadium. Well, he said that that, that stack notes at Brooke, <laughs> that oh, actually can't work. It's not going to work, man. It, it, it's, it's not going to work. Like, you know, United are going to try that. Decent picture. Let's look at you like, bro, <laughs> allow it, bro. bro like, <laughs> yeah, 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 you <laughs> like, you got money. So, so... <laughs> The, the thing with the Edwards approach, it's good that Madrid are trying it because I think Madrid do need to be more sensible. But the problem with Madrid is, no matter what, they still need to sign Galacticos. When you sign a Galactico, it already undoes that model. It doesn't matter if it's one or two players. It undoes the model. The, the model is supposed to be the model because you're supposed to be sensible in all areas of the pitch and who yep. you sign, the scouting and everything it's supposed to be done in a certain way. The moment you sign an Mbappe on 500k a week, it undoes it all. So I'm not actually sure how it's going to work. I think they'll be in a better state than they currently are. But I don't know if he gets as much success as he did with us over there, purely because, number one, 
opposing clubs aren't going to fall for his negotiation tactics at Madrid. And number two, Madrid are so set in their way sometimes, there's only so much he can change. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And one of the things that we we forget about institutions like Real Madrid, players need to step up instantaneously. There's no real embedding period where they get that yeah. you know, a six months or an eight months to kind of get to the, the playing styles of the squad. They're expected to deliver right on cue. And I think it is interesting that he's going to pull up to these negotiations like 50 Cent, who's bankruptcy here in, in the smart car and, um, <laughs> and, and those oversized trousers. But um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting endeavor. Mark, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think you think very similar to the far he wear? It's just going to be a very interesting thing for him to do to try and replicate that success at Real Madrid. I think Fahi summed it up extremely well. Like the history of Real Madrid are big spenders and. That's like him trying to go to Man United that have splashed £90 million on Pogba and roughly £80 million on Sancho and saying, you know, we don't really have that much money anymore. You are not really entitled to do that when you've got David De Gea sitting on, I think, 350 k a week. Like, that doesn't happen. You're going to have to integrate a whole new squad and change the way structure of a whole new squad. That could take ages. That could take five to ten years before you actually start to see the results of that. And are Real Madrid and Real Madrid fans willing to give him five and a half years of turning around the squad when you may not be seeing the success that you want to see on the pitch? I don't know. I think, unfortunately... Hey, I, th- I think their squad's in a good place, Mark. I don't, he doesn't need that time. I think their squad's really in a good place. Well, 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 do you, do you think that, though? Because I, I, I'd actually argue the, the opposite direction, to be fair. I think they've got ageing superstars who they need to replace fairly quickly. Yep. I mean, okay. we are seeing this kind of Indian summer from, from Luka Modric. Okay, so... Rich means... Ooh, bit rich me right. saying that, but um, <laughs> uh, someone someone's Uber Eats has come there. Um, yeah, <laughs> sponsored. Okay, the so what, where where I would disagree with you is that I would say so. If I look just going quickly through the squad, obviously you have Courtois will be there for the foreseeable future. But I think for every position they've got replacements. So I don't cover how still young. Militao, he looks. Cool. Is it young? There is no way Carvajal. Not young, sorry. I think he's like, I think he's 27, 28. Yeah, I think Carvajal's like 29. Hey, there is yeah, no way. Yeah, he's, been, he's been around for a while, you know, but he's still oh, covered anyway, anyway. Just quickly going through it because we're not, it's not around your podcast, but Militao, he looks like he stepped up to the role that um, yeah. Ramos has left. He looks really good this season. You have Alibar as well. Um, then you have, you have Ferland Mendy, who's obviously the natural replacement for Marcelo. Mendy's pretty good. Valverde is the new future along with Camavinga. Um, and obviously, Modric still looks crazy. Casemiro's not old, but and a Cruz you probably have to get rid of. But again, you have probably a future midfielder, Valverde, Camavinga. These are good players, you know what I'm saying? So, Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo, again, young players that you can initiate into the squad. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think they've got definitely a good base to, to kind of go from. You know what I'm saying? These are kind of future stars that they can, they can bounce off. You know what I'm saying? They can learn from players like Benzema and stuff like this. So, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think they've got quite a good squad. I think Undercover, they've been doing some good work the last couple of years. So it does need a little bit more fine tuning. So the likes of um, maybe Cruz, Carvajal, Marcelo probably need to eventually go. But yeah, they've, they've got some young players for the future, like Vinicius Jr., Valverde, Militao. So I think I think they're right there. I think they're in quite a good space, to be honest. Kamavinga, they're in quite a good space. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. And I think when we talk about that Galactico model as well, I think we had a bit of a conversation earlier in the week about how we we were looking at all the players available on free transfers kind of going into next summer and what we what, what, what I think what we're going to see from, from my interpretation of things is over the next few years we're going to see more top level players 
run down their contracts and leave on free simply because the transfer fees that they command are so large, pause, that clubs in their current iterations just can't justify spending that amount of money. So it's going to be really interesting to see how we can negotiate those free agents, as it were, in a changing landscape of, um, of, of signing players too, because it, it's going to be the... However much Mbappe signs for this summer is going to be... And, and to a lesser extent, Paul Pogba as well. How much they sign for for new clubs this summer is going to be such a massive indication of how football is going to go for these top echelon of football players that it's going to really reset the market and have people kind of challenging what they think the norm is. Well, what, what, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that that's going to be a bit of a challenge for him too? Because he's good at getting these gems in, but when it comes to... It's going to be building relationships with players over a large period of time to convince them to start to sign. So a lot of tampering and whatnot for those for those sections as well. Do you think he can kind of evolve into that mould as well? Yeah, I think so. What we need to see from Michael Edwards in this new position, we have to see the evolution of Michael Edwards. You know what I'm saying? He needs to kind of evolve his um, position and his uh, attributes, would you say? You know what I'm saying? He's been known for getting germs, for getting plays for the future and getting players that are ready to kind of explode as... Um, Klopp likes to say. So now we need to see that he's able to buy players who are able to kind of, you know what I'm saying, um, go straight into a team, kind of, um, you know what I'm saying, perform straight away. So, and the thing is with Mike, Mike Edwards, what I, think I would say about him, especially in his letter, he kind of portrays this kind of ambitious character. He's always looking forward to the next step. He's always looking forward to kind of, you know, being the best version of himself. So, yeah, I think, I think he would do well because, um, yeah, he's, he's done well at Liverpool and there's no reason to say why he can't evolve and um, do, do well at Madrid. So, good luck to him. No, best of luck to him, man. I mean, it's, it's like you said, Peter. I think you undertake these. I think it's like like in anyone's life, really, you undertake these big projects, and you just naturally want to go into the next next big. Well, not now, even the next big thing. You just want to go into that next venture in your life and and explore those possibilities. Farhi, I'll come back to you. Uh, kind of one last thing before we do kind of close the pod. Do you think he's got one last move up his sleeve, Michael Edwards, to agree this January before he leaves? This guy eating or something. Fire. He might be eating, you know. <laughs> he's, he's ordered a cheeky wingman, yeah, and he's quickly munching it back in the pot. Oh, okay. Uh, Marco, what do you think? What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, Mark, I'll come to you. You're, 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 you're a very ambitious fellow, Mark. Um, yeah, man. I do you think, think he's does. got? Do you think he's got one last thing? Do you think he's got one last, one last big move left in him before he leaves? Yeah, I think on. he has to give us a part in present, man. Um, well, he doesn't have to, but I think he will. I think. Yeah. There's somebody in mind, and I don't know who. Um, Does it begin with a J? No. no. Oh, okay. So there's somebody in his mind that would be perfect to suit Liverpool. And, yeah, I think he's going to try to set it up before he leaves. I think he might even do a pre-agreement before he leaves. So, officially, the signing will be announced in summer, but it would be done and dusted. Um, which... I guess the optimist in me is hoping for because yep. I do want to see the best players at Liverpool and I know Mike Edwards is a mastermind in bringing those players in. Um, so we'll wait and see. And it would be nice after this shit show of a summer that we've had, man. Fucking NWO running crazy. <laughs> <laughs> running around that pack. So I was... I, nice. I, I, I... I saw a really funny tweet from from our own David earlier saying, I can't believe people were going crazy this summer. And I was thinking about <laughs> it. I was thinking people were really, really ready to set fires and steal stuff because we weren't um, about to sign Saul Niguez. 
Mad. Yeah, Absolutely insane business when you think about it in retrospect. But um, yeah, it, it was very testing times for the fan base, as was reflected in that Twitter, famous Twitter spaces that we did where we got locked off three times. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think there's two things you can do now um, before he leaves uh, come the summer. I think one is making sure that Salah signed up for the foreseeable future. And the one last big move that he does have is kind of, you know, locked and loaded and prepared for, for the summer, really. Um, one thing we've started to do, kind of, uh, as we do in the pods, um, we're going to give, we always give someone the last word now. I don't know if Fahi is available. Oh, he's, I'm he's here. Back. I'm here. He's back. You finished the wings, yeah? Okay. Bro, there's so um, much food here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the last word, Fahi, to sign off the pod. So I'm going to mute my mic. Floor is yours. Give us the last word, brother. I apologise to Steven Gerrard for flogging his managerial performance on Saturday. Um, what I said was truthful, but it, w- it didn't need to be said. Sometimes the truth doesn't always need to be re- released like that. I still don't want to see him at the club. But I am very impressed by what I'm seeing right now versus Norwich. So um, I hope he continues down that path. I am supporting him and I'm supporting Villa as my second team. That's all. I don't like this second team Villa nonsense, by the way. I don't think your second team should be someone who's literally the same league as your primary team. That's nonsense, man. You're better than this. You're a better man than this. Okay. You're right. You're right. But obviously, when, when it's against against a team where we, we, we need them to lose, then I want them to lose. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm backing them a bit. Like, you know what? No, nah, I know what you mean. I'll put I some stops into Villa. Fair enough. And there we have it. That has been your episode of Cop and Fracas for... December the 15th, 2021. I've been your host, Chris, and I've been joined by Fahi, Mark, and Peter to discuss all things Liverpool. We'll be back um, next Tuesday, next Wednesday, sorry, to discuss all everything LFC Weekend Review. In the meantime, if you do want to hear more from us, us especially, you can head over to the Patreon page and sign up for just as little as £3 per month today. That is www.patreon.com forward slash cop and fracast. The link will be in the description for this part. And sign up. See if you like it. If you don't like it, you can cancel after one month. No strings with that. But yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Cheers. Peace. Peace. Network.